Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 909 flying through another morning, this one Wednesday morning. Megan Friedman joins us now, state politics reporter with the Advocate Times-Picayune. Good morning, Megan. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you, Tommy? Is it Megan or Megan? Uh, Megan. Megan, okay. Um, I saw the story, Jeff Landry seeks control of public defense, aims to replace state board with appointee, and this seems to be, to me, a thing that kind of flies under the radar, and, and I thought we'd invite you on to find out more about it because... Why are we changing it? And if it's something that's underneath the radar, why has it got the governor's attention? And maybe you can walk us through all of this from my perspective, which I think is that of a lot of people, which is, wait, I don't even know about this. Why are we changing it? You with me? Right. Yep. I I understand. The floor is yours, Megan. Megan? Yeah. um, So basically um, in 2007, um, uh, the state passed Act 307, which established a public defender public defender board and that um, oversees state public defense. Um, And the idea was to um, create kind of a central oversight mechanism that had not existed before. Um, Now, you know, public defense has long struggled with funding and um, it seems that the governor um, and the current state public defender who is overseen by the board say that the the best path to, to fix those funding problems is to, basically get rid of the board's oversight abilities. Um, it, you know, it's unclear to me how that would actually impact things from a, from, from a funding perspective. The bill doesn't have any, any fiscal notes or anything, but a lot of the chief public defenders are really in an uproar over this. They say that it will um, decrease transparency, that it will put too much control over public defense and the executive branch um, under the bill uh, that is up for consideration, which is Senate Bill 8, and it's sponsored by Senator Mike Reese. Um, The board would still exist, but it would only exist in an oversight capacity. So whereas right now the the board has um, a say-so in budgetary decisions and how the state spends its money on public defense, um, it can appoint chief public defenders. It employs Um, The state public defender who has uh, a management role um, under Senate Bill 8, the board would only exist in an advisory capacity, and the governor would appoint the state public defender who would make all those decisions about the budget, and the the public defender would would have a two-year term. Has the governor stated his, his, and maybe you said this, 
stated his rationale for doing this, why he wants to do it, what's going to be the end result here that's going to benefit the state? Right. So he has not gone into detail. Um, He did state his support for it in his speech on uh, to the legislature on Monday, and he um, argued it would bring more transparency to the system. Um, I did speak with Mike Reese yesterday. You know, he said that that this setup would give the legislature more confidence in how how the public de- uh, defender system spends its money. Uh, they have a budget of in the low; it's somewhere between fifty and fifty-two million dollars each year, and uh, one part of that budget has gotten a lot of pushback. That's um, money that that the state spends on to contract with specialty law firms that defend clients who are facing the death penalty. Capital cases, uh, so, right? Sorry? Capital, the capital cases, cases right. Yeah. Um, so in, in many instances, these public defender's offices, they, they don't have the resources or the specialized staff needed to handle those cases. And the state, I, I believe in 2023, they spent reported, reported spending about $7.5 million of a $50.5 million budget on those contracts, and they handle, you know, comparatively very few cases compared to the people served by public defenders overall in the state, which um, Ramey Starnes has reported is about 142,000 people each year. Um, and so legislators, including um, Debbie Villio, who's a representative who's co-sponsoring this bill, have really pushed back against that spending. They, you know, they think that it's wasteful. Um, that they're spending it on boutique law firms. Um, now, in, in the public hearing, in the, the Senate committee hearing yesterday where this bill was considered, um, Mr. Starnes testified that he could better manage uh, the state's finances on public defense without the board, um, and he sort of described them as preventing him from changing their priorities and um, preventing him from cutting back on wasteful spending. Now, it is true that in the past, you know, he has disagreed with them. Um, if several years ago he wanted to um, cut spending on private lawyers who were representing people who were sentenced to life in prison as when they were juveniles, mm-hmm. but um, as recently as last June, uh, the board for these capital cases actually asked, you know, do we need to be spending all this money? Can we trim that budget? And, and Mr. Starnes uh, in, in that meeting you know, he stuck by the budget and he defended it. He said, yes, it, you know, it is too much money, but these cases are just a tremendous amount of work. And there's a, a huge body of law that, that lays out exactly how these people have to be defended. And, and we have to we have to follow that. I'm going to press the rewind button here. OK, way, 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 yep. way, way, way back, if that's all right, yep. Megan. And that is the Supreme Court says and, and we all hear on television if you can't afford the right if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you at no cost, correct? Um I'm not an expert in that, but I believe so. So as a result, that's where this fifty two million dollars is allocated for the public defense fund, where public defenders are allocated for people accused of state crimes. So yeah, so to, to my understanding, and I am not an expert in the setup, but local public defenders offices, they do get um, some of their funding from local court fees, traffic tickets. Um, so that's part of the structure. And then another part of the structure comes from the state budget. Okay. 
And Remy Starnes is, so he's got this $52 million that somebody has to oversee. Remy Starnes is like the chief public defender, and he oversees the board, or the board oversees him. How does that work out? Do you know? So currently he's a state public defender, which means the board oversees him. So he will make recommendations as to how the budget should be spent, but they have to actually go in and vote to approve those. And if SB8 passes, then it would do away with the board completely? Not exactly. So SB8 says the board would still exist, but it would it would only be an advisory role. So they would not have that say in budgetary decision-making. So that would rever- all rest. It would reverse roles almost, right, where it would put Remy Starnes over the board as opposed to the board, and the board would make recommendations as now the board is taking recommendations from Remy Starn and dictating policy or determining policy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. More or less. I mean, it's it's unclear. It's a little – the bill is a little vague as to exactly – you know, how the board would function in that advisory capacity, but it, it would take, it would strip their oversight power. And that's why I invited you on, because it's when these things are a little vague, that's what gets my attention. You know what I mean? It's a, it's the a stuff mm-hmm. that seems to fly below the radar, and it's like, well, why are we doing this? Um, when it comes to capital cases, it, it goes to, I think, the the hesitancy sometimes where people do want uh, capital punishment, they want um, the death penalty, they want it to be a capital case, but they don't realize how much money is involved in that, both in the defense and appeals and so forth. And as it relates to either boutique firms or so forth, if a public defender is assigned to the case, and I don't mean to get too far into the weeds here, but if if somebody is pro-capital punishment and a public defender is assigned to the case and they're not capable of handling it, well, then you're just begging for an appeal on that, which is going to delay everything even more. Accurate? Um, yes, I would say that that's true. Those, those cases could be more easily appealed. Um, and then, then you've, you know, you've got more work that the DA has to do as well. And more money, right? Right. So – what what is the legislature telling you on this, or, or at least the legislature's not telling you? But what is the legislature saying? Is there support for this? You know, it's interesting because that committee hearing considered three bills yesterday. The Senate uh, Judiciary Review took up, and the bill with the most discussion by far was Senate Bill Eight. 
And there were concerns raised by lawmakers um, from both sides of the aisle, both Democrats and Republicans. Um, And, you know, ultimately they voted along party lines to forward the bill to the full Senate. But there were there was at least one Republican senator who um, said that he wanted to see improvements to the bill. So it's unclear to me whether it will pass. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone could say that for for sure. Um, And then there were also a slew of public defenders who came out to testify against the bill and share their concerns. Immediately. discussion. Good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Immediately, no, that's it for me. Yeah. Oh, immediately, there are people that are going to jump to the conclusion of ah, these are politically connected law firms that are getting the capital cases. But an alternative argument could be made that there are only so many law firms that are um, equipped to have the resources to handle a capital case, right? Right. I, I mean, again, I, that's not something I'm an, an expert in, so so I don't know exactly, you know how the how the qualifications um uh where those fall and and what the breakdown would be you know i don't know how easy it would be if you if you have the means to go out and hire a private attorney who could represent you in that i'm really not sure but but yes they they do need to be very specialized um any other anything else that you got from the committee hearing yesterday um that was the 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 main gist of it um it, the bill is expected to go to the full Senate either today or tomorrow for floor debate, and then, of course, it would still need to, to pass the House if it if it clears that. Any final thoughts for us? Um, no, I would just say, you know, what you said about this being an issue that would fly under the radar. I think the sense is that a lot of people don't don't pay attention to public defense um, and. Yes, I would encourage people to to read up on it and and uh, draw their conclusions based on that. If you have one more minute, I'd like to go into a little bit about and I see a tweet that you had about the the limiting the civil liability for use of a firearm by people with concealed carry permits. How that factors in with the permitless carry? Because I'm a little bit confused about what that's calling for as well. I didn't ask you to come on about that, but can you talk about that? Right. Um, so when we come back? I'm not a lawyer, so I, okay. I, you know, it's hard to speak to um, the exact legal impact of that. But from what I understood in the hearing yesterday, so there's a second bill um, that would allow uh, permitless concealed carry. And so the legislators who were um, testifying in support of this SB2, uh, which would limit civil liability, argued that, it, you know, passing that in conjunction would act as an incentive um, for people to get their permits, I got even, you. Even when they don't need to, I got you. So on yeah. one hand, you have permitless carry, but on the other hand, your liability is going to be limited if you do get a concealed carry permit. Yes, yep, that is my understanding. Okay. Um, now the other side says, you know, are people really going to read that far into the? Um, into the law and understand that's how it works, or are they just going to think, now I don't need a permit and my liability is limited? Um, So there was an argument from some Democrats that that would just create safety issues. I know you're a journalist, you're a reporter, you don't like to give your opinion, I understand that. But when it comes to things going through committee, 
do, does everything appear to be getting its due diligence? Do things uh, appear to be rubber stamped and just rushed through? Uh, if you don't want to weigh in, that's fine. I just would like to know what you think. Right. Uh, um, I mean, I really think there has been a lot of discussion, um, especially on the public defense bill. I think, you know, lawmakers did really take their time to listen to to all the concerns. Um, and that's all that's all I can really say. Okay, and what are you covering from now from in the future? What are you watching today and tomorrow? What will you be? Right. Um, there is a, a finance committee meeting this morning for the Senate, and they are going to consider a couple of bills that would um, impact juveniles charged with crimes in Louisiana. Um, so I will be watching that, and then I will be keeping an eye on the public defense bill as it continues to move through the legislature. And how can people follow you on Twitter? Um, at Meg Friedman, M-E-G underscore F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N-N. Thank you. I appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks so much, Tommy. Take you care. You too. Have a good day. Bye. 924. We'll take a break. Come back. Talk to Jeff Nowak, WWL Saints sideline reporter, about the new Saints wide receivers coach, also about the salary cap situation and more because the NFL season never ends. Back in a flash, WWL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.